0: Today, you are here with Catherine Moore and Sky Becker Yamakawa. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Sky. Hi. So, tell me, what have you been working on? Well, I'm still plugging away at little
1: paintings for the polka dot raven stuff. We finished up doing some haunted houses from horror movies. They're more like horror movie houses. And then we're doing ghostly inhabitants, maybe characters that are connected with those houses. And then we're going to be doing a little, we're calling it the poison garden. We might change that a little bit, but plants associated with horror movies. We're kind of getting everything together. We have to get it finished by first week of September to get stuff to the printers and, and all of that. So I'm trying to do two a week to get it done. I, we're each going to do, I think there's going to be six designs in each of those categories to start with. If we have time, we'll add more. That'll be 18 designs altogether. So I'm doing three for each category and Leilani doing three for each category. So yeah, it's, it's really fun, but it's like, kind of we're getting stressed yeah it's it's just it's like it's a lot of work and leilani the poor thing uh has a solo show in september as well
0: oh wow at baradita
1: cool
0: yeah exactly yeah
1: yeah she's i was just like just chill we'll get it done we'll get it done yeah but it's fun i'm really excited to be able to share that with people soon yeah so what have you been doing
0: Today is the anniversary of when Frida Kahlo died. So I always loved doing Frida Kahlo paintings in the summer. She was born on July 6th and then she died on July 13th. Uh-huh. Yeah, So I am in the middle of doing two oh, Frida amazing. Kahlo paintings.
1: Oh, nice.
0: Well, Frida Kahlo inspired. So that's what I've been working on. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Well, we will be right back to discuss an article that you read about don't want to give away too much (laughs) (laughs) hello and welcome back so today katherine and i are going to talk about and in more detail an article that you found called why do employers lowball creatives and you found this article from kqed and Mm -hmm. it said why do employers lowball creatives a new study has answers And this was by Nastya Voinovskaya. I'm sorry if I mispronounced her name. (laughs) Nastya Voinovskaya, I think. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, okay. Well, can you please give us a little summary of the article, Catherine?
1: Yeah. So basically what it's talking about is what some places i think you were you were saying south korea calls them passion wages or some of the creatives in the us may have heard stuff called like work for exposure there seems to be a problem it's mostly with the art community i, I think the art community and that's like all creatives not just visual artists but also, you know, musicians and actors, you know, performing artists and stuff like that. We have this thing in our careers where you'll be approached by people to to do work for them and they'll either pay you ridiculously low wages or they'll have you what, you know, what they call work for exposure. It's like oh, we're a big company and, you know, you can, you can just do it. And they're finding that it kind of trickles into other areas as well. And it comes down to workers being passionate about their work. And there seems to be like this, for whatever reason, this disconnect where an employer thinks, well, if you love what you're doing, then you don't mind doing it. So you're okay doing it for free. (laughs) Or doing it for little money. And the article kind of talks about that and why that is. We'll kind of get into that, but that's, that's basically what it is. And we're going to kind of talk about how maybe to combat that a little bit.
0: I thought when I read, I thought, what exactly does the statement mm-hmm. mean? You know, why do employers lowball mm-hmm. creatives? And the article, like a sentence later, immediately drops creatives and refers to them as passionate Uh workers. So I thought, okay, passionate workers, the passion concept, what does that mean? They're more, they say that passionate workers are more likely to be taken advantage of, but what is a passionate worker besides a creative? (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. I thought like somebody who's passionate, a passionate worker is just somebody who's, you know, hungry for the job. They're willing to put in the time and do what they need to in order to get as much out of this profession or job that they're doing.
1: Right. Yeah. And I also, the the way that I think about it, it's like, you know, we as creatives, I think, I think there's this misconception that because we love what we do and we get into it, it's like, I think a lot of people don't always view and we're I think, you know, I want to talk about creatives for artists specifically, just because we're a show that there we're a podcast that talks about that. And, and I am, you and I are both professional artists. So we can kind of speak to that directly, but it's like, I think people tend to view the arts as it's something relaxing. It's something fun. We enjoy doing it. We've been doing it our whole lives. Like even when we were little, we used to draw all the time and paint all the time and stuff like that. So it's kind of the thing it's like, so you don't need to get paid for that. You know, you why they, you know, they don't view it like they do someone that's running around answering phones or going into meetings or on the computer all the time. <laughs> I, I just think it's viewed differently. And so I, it's just like a passionate worker to me is someone that loves what they do. But just because you love what you do doesn't mean you shouldn't be expected to get a fair and livable wage for it. Right. Right. Which, which kind of, you know, this article goes into.
0: Yeah. According to the internet, right. A passionate person is enthusiastic, caring, and committed above their cause, about their causes and interests. Employees who are passionate about their jobs will naturally produce higher quality results and always strive for improvement. Mm -hmm. And on the one hand, passion for one's work can lead to greater satisfaction, But there was a research, I guess, in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology. It said, understanding contemporary forms of exploitation, attributions of passion serves to legitimize the poor treatment of workers. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. So- They did eight different studies and 2,400 participants and found that managers thought it was acceptable to ask people who were passionate at their job to work extra hours for no additional pay, sacrifice, sleep, family time, and take on demeaning tasks that were not within their job description Mm -hmm. because they were passionate. And some of the professions... Of these 2,400 participants were artists, animal trainers, social workers, ecologists. I think mm-hmm. teachers were even on the list.
1: Yeah, I think teachers do. You know, I have uh, two teachers in my family, and I mean, if you are a teacher or if you have a family member that's a teacher, during the summer, and it's like, "Oh, you get summers off." I was like, they are working, like they're getting the classroom ready or they're, you know, preparing for the following year or they're getting their lesson plans. Together, they're doing work that they are not getting paid for at all. And it's like, oh, but you love doing it. Right. (laughs) So they expect you to. I think I even remember like I worked retail and I won't, I won't say the company, I won't call them out, but they did actually have a lawsuit filed against them after I left the company. As a store manager, it was supposed to be like, it's a really cool place to work and you love your job here and it's great. And during the holidays, store managers who were salaried so we didn't get, you know, overtime pay or anything like that. We were required to work 48 hours a week during the holidays. Oh wow. Yeah, we had a full day we never got paid for.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Cuz I said, "Oh, well, you know, it, I think they were thinking we'll just love being there and we'll love doing it." And <laughs> <laughs> it was like the last place I want to be is in my store for an extra day during the holidays. Right? But yeah, yeah. But it was, it was for, it it wasn't like the whole time, but there was, I think there was four weeks. It was always around Christmas and like Thanksgiving that we were required to be in there for an extra, yeah, eight hours during those weeks. It was crazy, but yeah. I mean, have you ever had someone approach you and ask you to create something for them and expect you just to do it
0: without a lot of pay or no pay? that seems to be uh, the name of the game. <laughs> the name <laughs> of the game, right? <laughs> I, don't, I just chalked it up to people don't understand. Well, there's a few things. One is that art is subjective, right? So mm-hmm. it's hard for people to understand who are artists or actually have experience in creating artwork. It's hard for them to understand how long it might take you and everything that's mm-hmm. involved. Right. So that's one part of it. And then the other part is that art is subjective. Like uh, mm-hmm. I had some family members who commissioned a, a sculptor to do a sculpture of one of their dogs. She did animal sculptures and she did. And my family member was extremely offended by it. And they returned it to the artist and it was a commissioned piece. <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> and she took it back and she she had I think she had a contingency in her contract that she would only keep a small portion of the payment that they the initial payment, but she gave it all back and she said, no, it's fine, it's fine. And she took the sculpture and it's what like she just did that for free. <laughs> I felt really bad for the artist. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, yeah that you know, it was my failure. I didn't want to like say to them that wasn't right what you did.
1: Right, right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It, it was they just sort of seemed oblivious to the fact that this person had spent hours of if not weeks working on their job because art is subjective.
1: Right, right. It, yeah, I, I think it's that. And it like you were just saying, I don't think. Like unless you're unless you are an artist or you've done creative work, you don't understand like the time and the effort that goes into creating anything, yeah.
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> you know? and, and people might they might be able to relate to it on a very rudimentary level in terms Mm -hmm. of like, yeah, I was a kindergarten. I colored with crayons. Come on. Right. Exactly.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Or they, you know, or they, you know, it's like, oh, I I took a class and I painted something in three hours and you've been doing (laughs) this long enough. And there was, there's a great video out there and it's by, he's by a graphic designer. He actually goes into companies and he talks about this, but he talks to people in corporations saying, you know, what are you paying for? Like, what's your budget and and what are you paying for? And the guy's like, well, I don't want to give you, you know, X amount of money. If you can just do something in a half an hour, he was like, you're paying me that money so I can get it done in a half an hour. He's like, cause my experience and my work has brought me to the point that I can do this effectively and quickly for you to get it done. And it's going to be great. So he's like, or you can pay someone else less amount of money and you're not going to get the quality of work and it's going to take them longer. And it's going to, you know, so he he goes through this whole thing. That's really interesting. And I wish I had his name written down. I'll have to bring it up to you on a future podcast. Yeah, It's really interesting talking about, it's like, we are, we are seasoned professionals, especially when you've been doing it for a long time. And so there's people out there is like, oh, why do I have to pay this much money for something you love to do? (laughs) No. <laughs> like you'll do right. that in your free time. So why should I right. have to pay-, <laughs> pay you extra money? And, and I know that in the article, you know, Kay explains that there's a common misconception that if someone loves their job, they would prefer to work instead of doing other activities that contribute to a fulfilling life. Um, which he says can be a slippery slope. And it's quoted a graphic designer who works for a cool website and gets to make cool art may love their job, but they may not want to miss hanging out at their kid's softball game over the weekend. So forcing them to do more of it assumes it's more joy for them when you got to realize that like everyone else, they're just trying to balance their lives. So it's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, I do love doing it, but it doesn't mean I don't deserve to get paid for it if I'm doing you a service. Right. And, you know, and I've, I've had that with, with people I'm more familiar with, if they've asked me to do something for free. And and if I scoff at that and say, I'm not going to do it for free, you know, this is, I can work with them on a budget, but I'm not going to do something for them for free. You know, they'll kind of come to me as like, oh, well, you know, anyone can do this. I don't know why you can't do this. It's like, well, if anyone can do it, you can do it. (laughs) Right. <laughs> you think anyone could do it I be my guest right you create it <laughs> it's like the reason you're asking me is because you can't do it and so I know if I can't do something and I'm expecting someone else to do it I will pay them to do it for me
0: right
1: <laughs> you know if that especially if that's their area of expertise you know yeah
0: definitely like,
1: I went to school. I, I paid money to go to school to learn a skill. It's a, I, I kind of look at it as like art is a specialized skill and that's what you're paying for is a specialized skill.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Right. So the article also breaks up, is this a labor law issue? Mm-hmm. And it goes in to say that legal protection for workers is on the decline. And since the 70s, American companies have moved away from, from hiring employees and replacing them with contract workers so that they're not, they don't get the same benefits as employees would and the same rights. And basically, like, as we are as fine artists, we're basically consultants.
1: Right. Right. You
0: know, we're consultants for galleries when we participate in shows. Mm-hmm. Or working on a consignment basis. And when we get commissions, right. Mm -hmm. So that means that we don't have any benefits.
1: Right. Right. I don't know if you're, you're a member of the graphic artists guild, but that exists out there. (laughs) Oh, I didn't know
0: about that. Okay. Yeah.
1: This is something, I mean, this goes back to my college days, which is one of the reasons I Loved my college is because we had to learn all about the Graphic Artists Guild and what it is. And they're not quite a union. They actually voted in 2014 to the membership voted to change it to a trade association. It's not a union. In fact, when I was looking, when I was talking about this article, I was doing research for it. There doesn't seem to be any real artist unions out there, which is... Interesting. They tried and it won in New York, but it seemed to be defunct rather quickly. And I'm not sure of the reasoning for that. The Graphic Artists Guild is you can either do a yearly or monthly membership for a fee. It's pretty affordable. They have different Tiers from student to professional. So there's student tier, which I think is around $75 per year, which is affordable. I did that when I was a student, and it goes up to a professional. So, professional, you have to learn earn at least 50% of your income. It was mostly geared towards illustrators, uh, graphic artists, designers, animators, cartoonists, web programmers, developers, stuff like that, people that work in the graphic arts. But they also said that it can also include related things. And when I went on their website, there are people on there that are listed just as fine artists. So I said, oh, that's good to know. You can just pay your membership dues and you're you're in. You can have like a little mini portfolio on the website. The professional gets like nine images. I think it's the associate, which means that you make less than 50% of your income from graphic arts that you don't pay quite as much, but you only get three images on there. But the membership benefits is that you, they do have insurance so you can get your insurance, also disability and life insurance through their group insurance plan. You can get professional discounts. You can get grievance assistance and peer-to-peer advice. You have access to education materials, which is all free if you become a member. So you'll have webinars. You have a list they'll give you you can print out digital contracts. So for any contract work you're doing, you should always have a contract, especially if you're doing like commissions, or if you have like an illustration gig or something like that, you can download their form. It's all a legal document. And you also get a copy of their handbook of pricing and ethical guidelines, which is invaluable for people that are learning to price their work. And that also usually comes with like a list of different like art directors and stuff you can submit to I used to get that every year then you have your portfolio page and they also have a legal referral network it's really cool if you haven't checked it out I would suggest checking out the graphic artists guild but they've been around since 1967 so and they're also an advocacy group that they help to you know lobby for fair wages and to do away with stuff like exposure work (laughs) (laughs) it's really cool. I I wish more artists were familiar with it. Like I said, we were, that was kind of hammered into us during our last semester when I was in art school. It's a graphic artist skill. So that
0: was one of them on how do we change it? And one of them was the 4B union. Sounds like there's already something out there.
1: It isn't quite a union. And I I think I would like to know why isn't there an actual artist union? We could do it together yeah
0: <laughs> right right yeah and and one of the suggestions was recognize that we are getting swindled and to push back uh-huh. yeah that's really interesting graphic Artist guild uh-huh. and then another thing i looked up was how much are artists getting paid annually and according to what i found Nevada, california was the highest paid artist at seventy six thousand one hundred six dollars for the annual salary Hmm. and next was new york
1: what i want to know is like are these people that are working in galleries doing freelance work or are these are they think or is this artist like they're doing graphic arts like in a for a company or something it's a fine artist
0: did it okay that's interesting yeah yeah so that was really interesting Mm -hmm. Um, it's a percentage wages estimated for fine artists, oh, including painters, sculptors, oh, wait, and, and illustrators. illustrators. Okay, illustrators. There you go. Yeah, this was the state employment charts huh. where I got that information. Interesting. So, okay, well, that concludes our episode. We will be right back with our art news. Hello, and welcome back. Now we're going to do our art news segment, which is entitled "An Artist Makes Off with Eighty Four Thousand Dollars." As art. There was this artist, Jens Honings, and he was hired by the Museum of Modern Art in Denmark to do a piece that was supposed to be about the yearly income of, of a Dane and an Austrian. Mm-hmm. And they paid him 534,000 kroner, which is about 83,900 US dollars.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And when they got their piece, they received a box with empty glass frames, and the work's title was "Take the Money and Run." Did Did you read
1: it? Have you read about this before? I remember reading about this when it came out. Oh, you did. Yeah, it I, happened in September twenty eighth, two thousand twenty one. Yeah, so we're yeah. a little late. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's I, it's always one of those things that probably flies under the radar with so much going on in our world. But mm-hmm. I I actually started laughing. I said, good job, dude. Take it. <laughs> Take that money. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. He did give them something. Yeah, he <laughs> did. He did. It was like, it was, you paid him the money. Go ahead with your story. <laughs> was oh, like, that was it. Oh, that was I it. Mean, oh,
0: okay. That was it. I think that they, like the museum people got in trouble, but I don't think that they got the money back from him because
1: they haven't, I actually did a little follow-up because uh, I yeah. wanted to know it was like, cause this, cause this article was from September 28th. And I know that, that at the time that this article was written, that they, they said that they may go to the authorities if he doesn't come up with the money and I think it was, they had like a deadline of January 16th, which this past year, well, I, lo- I did look up and the, the latest article I could find about it was from January 17th. And they said at that time, it was not a police matter. However, the Kunsten Museum of Modern Art was taking legal action and bringing a civil suit. But the artist, Hanning, was still defiant and like, I'm not giving you this money back. <laughs> I'm not gonna do it. Yeah. It's like I I think like the original article I read with him with he was he was just like they paid me to do a work. I did it. And that it, it's not a work, it's not a work of art if he gives the money back. Like the whole purpose of the art oh, right. was take the money and run. Yeah, yeah.
0: Right, right. It's true. So it's like if I give
1: it back, it's no longer art. <laughs> So now we have to really go into the whole, the whole modern art of, you know, what is art type of thing, but it's performance art, performance but we didn't art. see the performance. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I've heard of this happening before. I guess in 2006, Merlin Carpenter did a piece that saw the ICA Philadelphia. They gave $4,000 to produce a work and he Carpenter, I don't. it's gotta be a guy. Merlin went on a shopping spree, but he gave them the receipts in the shopping bag.
1: Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> I know, it's like, uh, for people that are upset, for any artists that are upset, I think you're just upset that you did not think of this. I was like, man, <laughs> yeah. that's a great idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Although he does have to go through a civil suit now.
0: <laughs> yeah, that yeah. sucks.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so where can we find you online, Catherine? You can find me at tncanvas.com. And that's my website. And I'm on social media at TN Canvas, both on Instagram and Facebook.
0: Great. I'm at SkiesArt.com and I am at Shop, one word, S-K-Y-E, on Instagram. So that concludes our episode. As Jens Honing said, the work of art is that I took their money. So stay safe and happy happy creating. creating.